Let me begin at the end of the previous chapter. Verse 53, as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. So they, they would trick him, tried to trick him, and he would answer their questions with questions. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware of the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Boy, that prediction is continuing to be fulfilled in our day, isn't it? Have you heard of WikiLeaks? I mean, we're living in a time when secrets are going to be no more. Verse 4, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of them, of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Some of us, it's a changing item every day. (laughs) Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Also, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man... It will be forgiven him, but to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. But when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that hour what you ought to say. Then what he just said begins to happen. Verse 13, then one from the crowd came to him, teacher, Tell my brother to divide my inheritance with me. He's trying to draw him into conflict. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to Jesus and he begins to give this revelation. He said to him, man who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things He possesses. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us today. May we leave here different than the way we came. And may everyone around us see that difference in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 15 again. He said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Take heed and beware of covetousness. You know, the last of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet your neighbor's stuff, your neighbor's wife. It implies not wanting what belongs to someone else, not lusting, not coveting. But covetousness wants more of what you already have. And so he warns them, and it's a warning we should heed, take heed and beware of covetousness. This guy in a squabble over his inheritance with his brother 
was probably falling prey to covetousness. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist, one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Unlike the bumper sticker you may have seen, the one who dies with the most toys does not win. In fact, the one who lives with the most toys does not know how to live. Because he's got so much to take care of, it gets in the way. Watch this. They keep everything. I've been acquiring things as long as I can remember. What was out of control? Yes, I want to keep, keep, keep that. And risk losing so much more. My husband moved out. I am threatened with eviction. I'm scared that he's going to completely break down. It's like leading a double life. Hoarders, Mondays on A&E. <laughs> you can see they're putting it on TV, covetousness. Some of them want junk, some of them want good stuff, some of them want bad stuff. It's, it's just a spirit that will get a hold of you. Enough is never enough, and it will take your life rather than give you life. It'll take the quality of your life, quality of your relationships. This guy's about to lose his family. Anyway, verse 16. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. The word there for ground in verse 16 is the Greek word chora or shora or chora. It means ground or region or country. It expresses the riches of this man that he had not what could be called a common farm, but a whole region was his farm, and a, or at least a very large part of a region. And all of this was fruitful, and he was already a rich man before this bountiful harvest came. And he thought within himself, verse 17, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? No doubt he already had plenty of room and he was overflowing. No doubt he had employees that helped him with all this. Verse 18, so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns, plural, and build greater barns and there I will store all my crops and my goods no concern for those who work so hard to help him bring about this harvest and I will say to my soul soul you have many goods laid up for many years take your ease eat drink and be merry he no doubt would have enjoyed the Christmas carol that Americans subconsciously sing many times during this season. It's to the tune of Amazing Grace. Maybe you've not heard it, but you've seen it in operation. Me, 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 me. You got the point. Verse 20, but God said to him, fool, you know, we're not supposed to ever call anyone fool, but God can. Fool, this night your soul or your life will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
He draws a parallel. Uh, None of us in this room could line up with this guy, and yet here in verse 21, Jesus said, whoever is not rich toward God is just like this guy. At least 12 million Ameri- at least 12 American multimillionaires are looking forward to their lives beyond death. Confident in the continued progress of modern medicine, they have arranged for their bodies to be frozen after they have died. They have also set up personal revival trusts which are designed to ensure their present wealth will be waiting for them when they have been resuscitated 100 or 200 years in the future. This, this unhappy gentleman has no hope of eternal life. You can see it in his face. His name is David, David Pizer. He's 64 years old, and he figures that roughly $10 million he's going to leave to himself after compound interest has been added in for 200 years will make him the richest man in the world when he is resuscitated. The man's a rich fool. So is he who is not rich toward God. I believe in retirement. You'll never hear me preach against it, but you can be obsessed with it. How many people retired and died a year later? Live your life now. Don't just live for the future. Proverbs says the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Always looking somewhere else, not living the life God has blessed him with now. Let's read on. Verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor born, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, verse 25, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are able to, not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 29, I do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms, that is, give to the poor. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Read that again. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens 
that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We shared last week that um, undertakers' cars, what do they call them? Hearses don't have luggage racks or trailer hitches. You can't take it with you. But you can send it on ahead by living your life now for the benefit of others. I love jokes about Scottish people because I was, I'm of Scottish descent. Uh, one of them I love so much, I've probably told it a dozen times here, is um, it was an announcement in the Scottish Church Bulletin. We don't mind you putting bulletins, we don't mind you putting bulletins and buttons in the collection, but please stop pulling the buttons off of the cushions. There was three Scotsmen that agreed that if one of them died, the others would give him 100 pounds each currency so that they wouldn't go into the grave broke. They'd at least have 200 pounds on them in their casket. And so <laughs> one of them died. And so it came time to close the casket. And when the first one was good to his word, he walked up and threw a 100-pound note in the casket and walked away. The other one stepped up and wrote him a check for 200 pounds, threw it in the basket and took one pound, 100 pounds change <laughs> and closed the casket. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Sell what you have, give alms, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens which does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'd like to speak to you this morning on what have I been entrusted with. We've, we've been sharing that um, God is trustworthy and deserving of our confidence. His care is constant and His gifts are generous. He has entrusted to us all the blessings we have and He wants to make us His trustees so that we will do His will with His blessings. He wants to trust us and for our trustworthiness to grow. So he trusts us with little things at first. You want to be blessed more? Do more with what's already been given to you. Those found to be faithful with little will be trusted with more. Do not despise a day of small beginnings. And when we are more trusting of God, we become more trustworthy to God. And we trust. We must trust in order to become trustworthy. Trust that God wants to trust us. God wants to make you his trustee. And believe that all you have has been entrusted to you by him to do his will with. A lot of what he's entrusted to you is your bread for your consumption and your enjoyment and your family's blessing. But other parts of what he's blessed you with is seed to bless others. Watch for opportunities to do his will as his trustee and make the increasing of his kingdom your first priority. What have I, what have I been entrusted with? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He said to give alms and provide yourselves money bags that do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens. What is our treasure in the heavens? It is eternal. It never crashes. <laughs> it's not going to go out of business. It does not lose value. You know, you may not trust the markets uh, of investment in today's thing, and you may bury money in your backyard. It's your priority to do that. 
And you may sleep at night thinking very, very much how secure you are. But rest assured, that money out there is losing value by the day. What do you mean? A dollar is still a dollar. It is still a dollar, but it won't buy. 20 years from now, it will not buy what it can buy today. Anybody remember when Coke was a nickel? I don't remember when it was a dime. Heaven's treasury is not going out of business. And it will not be vulnerable to inflation. It, sorry, MasterCard, heaven's treasury is priceless. Amen. Yes. And because it's the Christmas season, we just added half a tree there for you. For the sake of memory. Heaven is a rich place. This pavement is gold. You've heard that story of the guy took a bunch of gold out of heaven and was hoarding it in his mansion. And St. Peter went to see him and says, what are you doing hoarding pavement? According to the book of Revelation, the new Jerusalem, the holy city, is coming down out of heaven onto the new earth. It's 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles squared. That means the city itself, not counting the new earth, is 2,250,000 square miles. And it's 1,500 miles high. Some say it's a pyramid. And all these pyramids we see around the earth are inspired by the devil who's trying to recreate what he saw in heaven. Could be. Other theologians say, no, the new Jerusalem is a cube. It's 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles high. And the scriptural reason for believing that is the Bible says that we are the salt of the earth. We're the agents of heaven and the earth. And salt, if you look at it, is like cubes, isn't it? It has cube-like structures, crystals, but cube-like structures. So if it is a cube, it's 3,375,000,000 cubic miles of gold, jewels, precious stones, rubies, diamonds. It's priceless. And if you believe in a four-dimensional universe, the fourth dimension of eternity, it's infinite. It cannot be measured. I want to have, a, I want to have some investment up there. Anybody want to have some investment up there? If you're going to be up there for eternity, why go up there and be broke for the rest of your life? All right. What have I been entrusted with? What have I been entrusted with? I was inspired to go this direction by an email sent by a dear member here who gave me permission to read excerpts from the email. Thanks so much, speaking of last Sunday's sermon, for shedding some light on the parable of the shrewd manager, or what's called the unjust steward. It gave us encouragement to confidently live differently from our culture and to seek ways to allow Christ to live through us. God has been working on our hearts, leading us to live differently than our it's-all-about-me culture. It's been difficult to figure out how to live differently. The Holy Spirit has been urging us to find a way to serve the poor and the needy. 
I think part of the deception that was revealed last Sunday was that God desires us to give our worldly wealth to support the needy, even if that gift is given without any personal interaction. However, in Shane Claiborne's Irresistible Revolution book, we're encouraged not to simply give to a remote cause to which we have no personal connection. We never figured out the practicality of that, but what sticks with us is the idea that God wasn't interested in our contributions to a mission that we don't personally support with time, energy, and involvement. It's been so easy to get distracted with the stewardship of our earthly home here in Granbury, but one of the key phrases of the parable of the talents is Jesus begins it with these words, the kingdom of heaven is like. We don't really understand heavenly riches over which God has made us stewards or how to invest those riches to increase what God has given to us. We've been so distracted with being a good steward of our home, finances, etc., that sometimes we haven't seen the heavenly riches that we have been made stewards over. So my plea to you is to help us understand what are these heavenly riches we have been given and how can we invest those heavenly riches to yield an increase for the kingdom of heaven, understanding that it will require changes to the way we manage our earthly riches. We are citizens of two worlds, two nations. Americans are citizens of the United States and citizens of New Jerusalem as believers. And these two worlds merge in our lives. Amen? So we live in the real world, but we're representatives of the more real world. Our earthly blessings include our lives, that the rich fool lost that night, our relationships, our abilities that we're born with but we can develop through training or that we can gain by learning, our resources, our investments, and it even includes our inheritances, in which you can receive heavenly blessings by way of inheritance as well, but earthly blessings by way of inheritance. It includes our opportunities. Now, God blesses us primarily in three ways, sometimes four ways in the earthly realm. He blesses us through inheritance. If you get wealth, it can be by inheritance. Through hard work, gives you the ability to work hard. You can be blessed for that. Through investment. And fourthly, through miracle. The miracle provision of God is outside the norm. Well, it ought to be the norm. Well, if it was the norm, it wouldn't be a miracle. Gravity is the norm. If I floated six foot off the floor while I'm preaching, that would be outside the norm. That would be miraculous, right? So it's outside the norm. So if you live constantly in need of a miracle, if you just live there constantly in need of a miracle, I don't think that's God's will. I think you're living outside the norm. Now, he can lead you to be in need of a miracle. That's fine. But you're putting yourself there all the time. That doesn't guarantee he has to come through. You know what I mean? Well, I need a miracle. I got 14 credit cards and can't pay none of them. Well, you did that. So live in the real world. I used to know a guy that sat around the house waiting by the mailbox, waiting on that miracle check, and he wouldn't get a job, wouldn't even chase the cows away from his car that were tearing it up with their, with their horns. So obsessed with the miraculous. And God knows I believe in the miraculous. Amen. Kenneth Hager is the guy that said, 
Don't be so obsessed with the miraculous that you miss the supernatural. Amen? Supernatural. So God blesses us with earthly blessing. And those blessings include opportunities to invest those blessings to help others. Opportunity is more than just opportunity to get a raise or opportunity to get a better job. It's an opportunity to help someone's life become better. You do that a few times, you'll acquire an appetite for joy that you've never had. (laughs) Heavenly blessings, eternal life, our relationship with God. I mean, money cannot buy that. His spiritual gifts, His Word, His church, and His grace that makes us the recipients of all of these blessings. And enables us, His grace enables us to go through difficult things in the earthly realm. And heavenly blessings also include opportunities to advance His kingdom. Now, we live in both worlds. We're in the world, but we are not of the world. Let's say that. I am in the world... But I am not of the world. So we're here for a reason. If not, the preacher should have left us at the bottom of the baptistry. So we're here to prosper and to advance in life for the benefit of our families, our descendants, and the kingdom of God. These are things we've been entrusted with. Now, what I'm about to share may seem cheesy, but I'm telling you, it's real cheese. It's real cheese. Four T's. Anybody in their 40s? The four T's of kingdom trustees. Who's a kingdom trustee here? We've all been entrusted with time. Now, God is not a communist. Uh, Jesus told the parable of the talents. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a man gives some guy five talents, another guy two talents, another guy one talent. It's just the way it is. But I'm telling you, in, when it comes to time, God is a communist. Because every day we all get the same amount of time. The poorest among us and the richest among us only get 86,400 seconds every day. And you're spinning it right now. Just a little nugget of truth. Up until cell phones came into existence, you'd never see a wealthy person without a watch on. Another thing I've noticed, before there were cell phones, I never saw a person who was dirt poor as a lifestyle with a watch on. It's a generality. I'm sure there's exceptions to it. But until there were cell phones, you can't say it anymore because cell phones all have clocks on them. Rich people don't go without watches and poor people don't wear watches. Why? It's the, it's the, it's the approach to time. 
Two different approaches to time. One's just letting life happen and enjoying it. Another one is making things happen and keeping track. Letting the, it's a tool. It's a tool. So you don't have a watch, get one. You don't have a calendar, get one. Time is just flying. You don't want to be on your deathbed and look up, some, look up at somebody that looks like you but a whole lot better looking and says, who are you? And he says, I'm the you you, you could have been. Talent. Now, this isn't the talent from the parable of the talents. That was a form of currency. The talent was 6,000 days' wages, all right? Talent is an ability. It can be, you can be born with it or you can uh, develop it. Most talented people are born with a, with a bent in a certain direction or pro- propensity to excel in a certain area. And if they prosper at that, it's because they developed it and they worked it. So don't just come up with a dream that's not realistic. All right? Train up a child in the way he should go. Every child has a way to go. And it's our duty as parents to train them in that way. If you see leadership on your child and a, a uh, mind for legal matters as well as an ability to persuade people, you could tell him or her, you could be president one day. But if your child doesn't have those things, you're being mean to them to give them false hope. See where they see where they excel and then help them develop that gift that God has given them. Amen. Whoops. All right. Spiritually, spiritually, we have similar things. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are of the Holy Spirit, all right, as He wills. I heard people say, I have all nine gifts of the Spirit. Well, I don't think you have any of them. The Holy Spirit has them all. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Better yet, does the Holy Spirit have you? That's a good question. But we have a tool available just to get started, maybe to discover some heavenly riches that are in you, some motivations that God put in you that are redeemable or suitable for kingdom service. And it's a little survey called Gift Quest. It's, a, it's an inventory, basically. Um, and I have a hundred of them available out there in the foyer. If we don't have enough, we'll print more. You can pick them up next week. But it's basically 160 statements that you read. And they're in groups of four. And you circle the statement that is most like you, M, and the statement in the group of four that is least like you, you circle the L, least like you. And the other two statements that kind of fall in the middle, you just leave them alone. And fill this out with your name and stuff in the, in the cover and fold it in half like this and drop it in one of the offering boxes at the door. And the Lord willing, in the next week or two, we'll get this back to you with an amazing computer printout of where you are gifted in terms of how you're motivated spiritually. It's not perfect, but it is amazing. And it even makes secular employment recommendations. Maybe you're unemployed and clueless about where you should head. Check out how you're, how you're wired. Um, it's not always flattering. As senior pastor, I took it a few years ago. 
And they came out with a recommendation that I be a church bus driver. (laughs) What's funny is we had a bus then. And I was the only man in the church at that time, only person in the church at that time, that had a CDL license to drive it. Sometimes it's Sunday morning and we're driving kids back from retreats. One time we got a blowout in Crescent. And, you know, we're here we are four miles from church with a flat tire. We just drove on that flat and made it here. Thank the Lord for dual tires in the back. So it hit the nail on the head basically because here's the way I see myself. I'm not so much of a leader as I am a bus driver. If we can just go for a ride together and I'll show you opportunities to serve and y'all can get off the bus and serve there. So welcome. Welcome to the love train. So take the gift quest. Find out what your heavenly treasures are. What God has invested in you. Next is treasure. Now, obviously, our treasure in heaven is for another time. But the treasure we have on earth, we send to heaven by investing in kingdom investments. Not just talking, I'm not just pushing for a bigger offering today. But it, it's for more than a church. It's for people that are hurting. I personally operate in a principle there's tithes and there's alms. Tithes, offerings, and alms. Alms are for the poor, tithe I give to the church. Offerings I give to specific needs. And the fourth T is opportunity. I told you it was going to get cheesy. As a kingdom trustee, we've been given time, 86,400 seconds every day to make the most of it, talent, Discover how you're wired and begin to develop it. Get trained, whatever you can do. If you need counseling just because you can't get over life's hurts, pursue help in whatever way you can. Try, if you're on drugs, try to get free of it because that stuff will just keep you from your potential. Treasure. What's the things you've been blessed with? Everything you've been blessed with, which includes your time and your talent. An opportunity. What's in front of you to serve? What's in front of you to serve? Because it's Christmas, we turn a little Christmas tree into this as well. Ambrose, a theologian and church leader in the 300s, wrote, There is your brother, naked and crying, and you stand confused over the choice of an attractive floor covering. That's from the, that's from the 4th century. Basil the Great, a bishop in Turkey in the 4th century, wrote, The bread you do not use is the bread of the hungry. The garment hanging in your wardrobe is the garment of the person who is naked. The shoes you no longer wear are the shoes of the one who is barefoot. The money you keep locked away is money for the poor. John Chrysostom, who was a pastor also in the 4th century, said, The almsgiver is a harbor for those in necessity. A harbor receives all who have encountered shipwreck and frees them from danger, whether they are good or bad. 
What have I been entrusted with? I've been entrusted with opportunities to represent the kingdom of God in a world that is the kingdom of darkness. And they need the truth. And sometimes they need to be shown the truth. Preach the love of God everywhere and when necessary, use words. Pastor Sheikh um, was blessed to be able to uh, help the, the Black Arts and Letters Academy in Dallas by putting on a live performance of his music that we've never heard in this place. And a couple months ago, the performance happened. And it was recorded, a CD is coming out, and there may be a telecast coming on CBS on Christmas Eve. So keep your, keep your eyes open for that. We will announce it if, if it comes into being. Uh, and in that is a song sung by Ann Nesby. And the lyrics Shake wrote in this song are, are uh, it's a song called, Oh Lord, What Would You Have Me Do? Oh Lord, What Would You Have Me Do? Is it digging a well or feeding the mass? Clothing the naked, you've only to ask. Give me sincere desire, your holy clue. Oh Lord, what would you have me do? Time and again, you may feed my sheep, set free the captives, and to the worried, you bring peace. Liberate those who are bound. Let love be your truth. Oh Lord, what would you have me do? And then the refrain is feed my sheep, find the lost, provide shelter. Love them all. Heed your word when you call, O Lord. What would you have me do, O Lord? That's what I'm going to do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to do all that you would have us do. In Jesus' name, Lord, help us to excel as kingdom ambassadors. Show us what to do, Lord. Motivate our hearts with passion, not guilt. Passion and love for people and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're living in a time of recession. And I think part of the problem with the recession is we're also living in a time of all-time record-breaking selfishness. I understand that um, the average evangelical church in the present day, uh, the modern day evangelical, only 20% of them tithe. I haven't checked. I don't think it's that bad here. But uh, if you don't tithe, you need to pray about that. In 2008, the U.S. Postal Service delivered an estimated 19 billion Christmas cards, letters, and packages between Thanksgiving and Christmas. In December of 2008, despite a bad economy, the nation's department stores reported $28.2 billion in retail sales, 14% of the overall sales for 2008. An additional $24 billion was spent via electronic shopping or mail order. U.S. Christmas tree farmers reported $410 million in sales in 2008. To decorate those trees, over $470 million was spent to import those disposable decorations from China. The value of U.S. toy imports from China between January and August of of last year, 
totals over $4 billion. So it's kind of a funny time. I'm still trying to put my head around it. And if this WikiLeaks begins to do what it's threatening to do, they say they have five gigabytes of information from some big banks, what will that do? Our treasure's in heaven, amen? But I, I think the opportunities for us to make a difference are going to be all around us. All around us. In your bulletin is the, the text that we preached from today. And on the back side of that are local opportunities, just to get you started, to start thinking. Local opportunities where you can give of your time and talents. Some of you even have schedules. And if it doesn't match your schedule, that's not important. There's a phone number there where... A person could call and say, hey, my schedule doesn't line up with yours. What could I do at such and such a time, such and such a day? Make a difference. In this Christmas season, please include others and have your children include others in what you do. It's real important. Let's pray again. Lord Jesus, help us to heed your word with joy. <laughs> God, I'm so excited at the fruit that is going to come into our lives as a church, but our lives as individuals and our lives as families as a result of the truth that you're speaking to us. And Lord, I, I recognize and humble myself that you're saying this to your people in more ways than just this place. You're speaking words that are confirming things people have already heard and been feeling and sensing in the body here this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name. have a song that you can just sing to us and then I have a video to show that's kind of funny to drive the point home sorry pastor you communicate with the worship pastor what's going on I met you there in your special place you spoke words of life and you kindled my faith When the moment had passed And the misting was through Oh Lord What will you have me do? Oh Lord What will you have me do? again to that secret place you filled me again again and again and as I watched your word walking away oh Lord what would you have me do
Give me sincere desire Your holy clue Oh Lord What would you have me do? Say, feed my sheep, set free the captives to the worry, bring peace, liberate those bound, and let love be your truth. Oh, Lord, what would you have me do? what we want to do as your grace enables us Lord it's what we're going to do thank you Lord for the good things that are happening the wonderful things people are involved in but Lord we see the need is greater than we can provide but we know Lord the power behind us is greater than the task before us the power within us is greater than the power that's in the world Lord use us as a church use us as families use us as individuals to do your will Lord Jesus name. Amen. If you didn't get a bulletin, be sure and get one before you go so you can see opportunities to serve. This is just this is just the tip of the iceberg in our community. And you go to Fort Worth, man, it gets really big there. But there are opportunities. Amen. And if you've never taken a spiritual gift survey or inventory or you'd like to do it again, do it again. Pick one up before you go if you've got time. Fill it out in fellowship before you leave. Bring it back. And, uh, we'll get it to you. And 
see what we can do to help you. We've laughed. We've cried. But this isn't just an emotional sermon. This is the truth. We've been invested with heaven's best. Amen. And we live in a world to make a difference. Amen. This next little video is funny, but it's the truth. And may it drive today's sermon home where we never, never, may we never forget this. Can you help me, please? I'm stuck. I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. I have zero experience in lumberjacking. Thank God you're here. Can you make some food? I've been stuck here for six days, and all I've had to eat are two pine cones. Well, I'm not a nutritionist, so I wouldn't know what someone in your condition would... Do something! I, do what? I'm, I'm not a zoologist. There's a gun in the tent. Get the gun. I don't have a license. I've never operated... Uh, 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 Look, just throw it.